Welcome everyone, I am Michael, your host for Depaganizing the Gospels. In this episode, I will be presenting notes from the depaganization of the testimony of John, chapters 2 and 3. A lot of the content of this testimony will be deleted to depaganize it, but there are small bits of truth still remaining. The text is very different from the other three testimonies because it has been editorialized by the Antichrist in the 4th century AD which is also the time frame when most of the other alterations were made to the first three testimonies. Of course, many changes have been made to the original testimonies during the Renaissance, so there is quite a history of fraudulent alterations made to the text that is supposed to be the inerrant Word of God. The New Testament is not the Word of God. It is a compilation of blasphemous writings and heretical fraud. People might learn more about the real personality and life of Jesus Christ by reading a Harry Potter book. Either way, These books are mostly fiction based on some small facts. The first note explains the omission of chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The event of turning water into wine does not appear in any other testimony, and the ability to turn water into wine is not relevantly a power given to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The concept of transmutation comes from a pagan belief in sorcery, magic, and alchemy. The creation of this event has no relevant substantiation in the true gifts of God's Holy Spirit, and it is a matter of implying that Jesus had magical powers. The ability to turn water into wine being attributed to Jesus is fraudulent and heretical. Turning water into wine was not the first miracle, because the great catch was the first miracle. The men who became the disciples of Jesus followed him because of that miracle, and it occurred when he met them while they were fishing. The fraudulently added event of the transmutation of water into wine has been a curse of false testimony upon the text, and it is now removed in this depaganization as guided by the Holy Spirit who reveals truth to the righteous. The next note explains an omission from verse 15, which now says, So he drove them all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. The phrase, made a whip out of cords, has been omitted for being an obvious fraud. This detail does not appear in any of the other testimonies, and this event appears in all of them. Additionally, making a whip of cords characterized Jesus as using a weapon of violence. The addition was a curse of pagan editorialization intended to discredit Jesus to have been violent in complete contradiction of his ministry. The event is being presented early in this testimony prior to the presentation of any of the information that was actually the ministry of Jesus. Up to this point in the text, Jesus has done nothing to validate that he was the Christ and turning water into wine was a magic trick, having nothing to do with the teaching about God's Holy Spirit. The next note explains a correction to verse 17, which now says, His disciples remembered that it is written, The zeal of thy house has made me courageous. The heretic who wrote this text intentionally misquoted scripture, and this misquote is evidence proving the case that this testimony is fraudulent. The original scripture is from Psalms chapter 69, verse 9, which says, For the zeal of thy house has made me courageous, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. The testimony of this event appears in all three of the other testimonies, but this version portrays Christ as being zealous to the point of violence. The pagan author's purpose was to discredit Jesus as a hypocrite by suggesting that he was an overzealous lunatic, and the misquoted scripture is further evidence of this fraud. The correction removes the curse. The next note explains the correction of verse 23, which now says, 
Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing, and they believed in God's eternal truth when he taught them the good news. The pagan heretical statement that has been corrected had the purpose to support Catholic theology by insinuating that a belief in the name of Jesus was the message of Christ. Belief in God's eternal truth is the path to salvation. Repentance of sin and acceptance of God's Holy Spirit is the good news. Pagans denied the Holy Spirit, and the heretic who created this false testimony attributed to John denied the Holy Spirit was God by insinuating that Jesus was God. Jesus was not God, nor the Son of God. Jesus was the Messiah, a human being, a prophet. The next note explains the mission of verses 24 and 25. The statement, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man, has been omitted as fraudulent editorialization, having no relevancy except to be intentionally misleading about the true character of Jesus. The passage had the purpose of proposing that Jesus was a psychotic and did not trust anyone. Throughout the heretical testimony, these passages that had the intent to mischaracterize Jesus to have been someone like the character of Richard II in a Shakespearean tragedy will be identified and omitted as such. From this point forward in the depaganization effort, the omission will be on the grounds of false characterization for the purpose of fraudulent dramatization. Jesus was not a crazy megalomaniac who thought he was God on earth. The next note is about a correction in verse 3 in chapter 3, which now says, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is baptized in water and born again in the Holy Spirit. The heretics who altered the original text denied the truth of Christ's message about being born again in the Holy Spirit. The true message of Jesus Christ becomes revealed in this plainly stated message that becomes the only truth in the entire New Testament series of the testimonies. The depaganizing correction clarifies the true message of God as originally delivered by Jesus Christ, and this correction was directed by the Holy Spirit. The next note is about a correction to verse 5, which says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is baptized in the waters of repentance and born again in the Holy Spirit. The paganized text intentionally omitted the word holy because the antichrist heretics who editorialized the text always had the purpose of denying the Holy Spirit. The pagan heretics who created this fraudulent testimony by editorializing what might have been portions of John's original testimony have altered most of the text to agree with the heretical theology of Catholicism, which is a blasphemy of polytheistic nonsense based on pagan mythology and satanic rituals of consuming bread and wine as flesh and blood. The next note is about a correction in verse 6, which now says, Flesh gives birth to flesh only, but the Holy Spirit gives eternal life in the Spirit. The original text does not specify Holy Spirit, and the correction ensures there is no confusion about the meaning. Additionally, the statement's meaning clearly refutes any claim that Jesus was born of a virgin impregnated by God's Spirit to become the Son of God. The heretics who altered the text overlooked the truth of the statement which reveals the truth about the birthright of Jesus. He was born of the flesh by flesh only because God is the Holy Spirit who does not impregnate human flesh. Flesh gives birth only to flesh and spirit gives birth only to spirit. The angels are the sons of God given birth by God's Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was a man in the flesh given birth by Joseph and Mary. Christ's true birthright is revealed. The next note explains an omission from verse 13. The phrase, the Son of Man, was omitted because it was fraudulently added by a heretic who had the purpose of insinuating that the phrase was synonymous with Son of God. The Son of Man did not come from heaven because it means that the person was a completely human being. 
The sons of God, angels, are the ones who came from heaven. The Son of Man is a human child, born on earth to a human father and mother. Jesus spoke this phrase as a reference to the book of Enoch, which tells how the sons of God came from heaven to the earth and defied God's commandments by procreating with the flesh. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that flesh only gives birth to flesh, and spirit only gives birth to spirit. The angels of heaven are spiritual beings who violated this law. The discussion has the purpose of disproving the heretical claims that Jesus was the Son of God, born to a virgin impregnated by God in defiance of these rules. Jesus was the Son of Man, by his own admission, and not the Son of God. Heretics have attempted to alter the text without realizing how they left the truth intact, and their fraud becomes revealed by God's eternal truth found in the book of Enoch. The next note explains the omission of verses 16 through 18. The infamous passage was a paganized fraud that falsely insinuated Jesus was a human sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. God's sons are the angels, eternal spiritual beings, and they are innumerable. Jesus Christ was a man born to Joseph and Mary, and he had siblings. The passage has been a curse upon the text in its entirety. Heretics have caused billions of people to blaspheme God by using this passage to make them believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God. People were told that the path to salvation is believing Jesus was the Son of God. It has been the Antichrist who has created this falsehood that only existed in this testimony. Jesus Christ was not the Son of God, and salvation in God's forgiveness of sin is by repentance and acceptance of the Holy Spirit. John 3.16 is a fraud created as a curse and perpetrated by heretics who blaspheme God by replacing God's eternal truth with a polytheistic lie. God is only one entity, and Jesus Christ was a man. This curse was easily removed, but a billion Christians will protest this action because it was the lie that tricked all of them into believing the fraudulent theology of pagan Roman heretics who created Catholicism. The next note is about verse 21, which says, But whoever lives by God's eternal truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what I have done has been done through God. This is a powerful statement of truth that validates that Jesus did not truly consider himself to be the Son of God. This quote shows that Jesus exalted God by giving God credit for the miracles. Heretics might insinuate that Jesus is speaking about himself, but that is not even logically sensible. The next note is about an omission from verse 23. What has been omitted was the phrase, because there was plenty of water, and it is evidence of pagan editorialization and fraud that had the purpose of supporting the Catholic practice a sprinkling water on a person's head is the act of baptism. Pagan heretics have denied the baptism in water as the act of repentance by not immersing a person in water. They intentionally altered the practice originated by Elijah to prevent people from receiving the Holy Spirit. All who have been sprinkled in the Catholic Church or other denominations that do not practice the act of immersion in water have not truly been baptized. Without the baptism in repentance, the person will not receive the Holy Spirit. The immersion in water is symbolic of the flood and it is the way of the water described in the book of Enoch. A true baptism in repentance requires complete immersion in water. Sprinkling is a pagan fraud and the omitted statement was the curse that supported that fraud. Go to a lake, a river, or use a tank of water or swimming pool, but baptize with complete immersion in water to fulfill the requirements of repentance by baptism in order to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and be baptized in the name of God not a holy trinity because that's a fraud the next note is about verse 29 
which says, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The use of the metaphor about the bridegroom was a reference to Galilean tradition, and it is evidence that John's testimony would have originally had the correct representation of the use of, the, of a cup of wine as the covenant. The pagan heretics who altered the testimony changed the concept to be a satanic ritual of consuming human flesh and blood as a covenant. The last note for this episode is about the speech attributed to Elijah, beginning at verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthfully with him. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives his Holy Spirit to him without limit. The Father loves this man, Jesus, like a son, and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Holy Spirit has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Holy Spirit will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. This passage is the message of God's eternal truth. Elijah is clearly saying that Jesus is from the earth, but that he received the Holy Spirit from God above. Jesus accepted the anointing and God was with him, Emmanuel. Additionally, Elijah clarifies that God, the Father, loved Jesus like a son. The pagan heretics who attempted to alter the text throughout to support the fraudulent theology of Catholicism missed the truth of this statement. It proves that Jesus was not the Son of God because it states that God loved him like a son. Moreover, it exposes the fraud of John 3.16 because this passage tells the truth. It is acceptance of the Holy Spirit that is necessary for eternal life. Jesus was just the prophet, a man who delivered that message. Well, that is all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe for notifications of new releases. Thank you for listening. I am Michael. Thank you.